Welcome to the Rise with Natalie podcast, a place for you to expand your world. I'm your host, Natalie Holbrook, an intuitive astrologer and transformational guide, and I am obsessed with all things that allow you to step into your greatest potential. It is my mission to teach you to use the cosmos to better understand yourself, your journey, and empower you to live as the magnificent universe of magic that you are. In some episodes, I'll break down the energy and the stars and how to best navigate them. And in others, I'll feature powerful guests whose tools encourage you to live your most abundant and aligned life. This podcast is to connect you with yourself, spirituality, healing, health, consciousness, and so much more with the goal of inspiring you to create your own heaven here on earth. I love connecting with you, so say hi on Instagram at Rise with Natalie. And if you want to go deeper, download my video or written guide on how to read your birth chart or book a reading or a subconscious transformation session, all linked in the show notes down below. I hope you enjoy this episode and trust that there is always magic coming your way. I am so excited for today's guest who is a dear friend and sister of mine, um, someone that I have worked with professionally and who also is just a wonderful sister, Sarah Spears. And let me just give you a little bit of insight into this incredible woman. So Sarah Emily Spears, MA, is an alternative <laughs> practitioner, empowered eating coach, and trained psychotherapist who specializes in using energy work to help empathic women and entrepreneurs experience freedom from food and eating issues, emotional overwhelm, and limiting self-beliefs. Raise your hand if you've had that. I think everyone <laughs> Sarah Emily offers several innovative energy-based coaching and self-help methods within the field of complementary and alternative medicine, including emotional freedom techniques, otherwise known as EFT or tapping, the emotion code, and Reiki. Her intent is to support her clients in accomplishing their goals by addressing the imbalances within a person's energy system, as well as the energetic influences of thoughts, beliefs, and emotions on the body. Prior to her transition, her transition into energy work, Sarah Emily worked as a licensed marriage and family therapist and formally directed the behavioral health program at Premier Fitness Camp in Carlsbad, California, and ran the intensive treatment program for binge eating disorder at the University of California, San Diego. She holds an MA in marriage and family therapy from the University of San Diego and a BA in psychology from Syracuse University. Sarah currently offers her services via one-on-one -on -one coaching, group programs, and retreats. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Yes, absolutely. And so the way that Sarah and I know each other is that we got connected, um, I guess it was, let's see, three years ago now, because it was at the end of 2019. It honestly feels like decades ago. Forever ago. <laughs> like only three years. <laughs> Holly. It was one of those instant connections, like instant sisterhood, instant soul mm -hmm. recognition. And I remember that I went to the Omni Hotel, this beautiful place in San Diego, which is where she was working at the time. And I had been introduced to her through a friend um, because I was going through my own struggles with binge eating. And, you know, I had had a binge eating disorder basically since I was 19 years old, 18, 19. And it had all started actually, and I've never talked about this on the podcast so far, 
but it all started because my cousin, my older cousin actually taught me how to binge eat. And then she would take laxatives to get it all out. And so I started to do that too. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can eat pizza. I can eat ice cream. And then you just shit it all out. (laughs) And then after a while, that was like really gross and (laughs) really unhealthy. And it turned into this thing that for years I would either somehow binge and then starve or starve myself for so long. And it got to the point that when I was 33 years old, I was like, I cannot be living in this anymore. And I went to Sarah, we had a couple of incredible sessions and this is what she does and helps people with. And so if you have ever struggled with this or you know someone, please listen to this episode because there is going to be so much wisdom and Sarah is an expert in this field also because she went through this herself. So thank you again for being here. And I think let's just start out with how did you get into this work? Yeah. Well, A, thank you for sharing about your experience because I, especially with disordered eating, it's something that tends to be kept very secret. Mm -hmm. There's so much shame about it. And so a lot of women actually are struggling and think that they're like the only ones struggling little do they know that probably the majority of people that they know are probably experiencing similar difficulties. I know that was the case for me too. And I had so much shame and secrecy about my own struggle with binging and also bulimia. Um, so you compensated with laxatives. I compensated by actually throwing it all up, which is even more disgusting, but, um, you know, that was just what I was stuck in for my like compulsive way of trying to quote unquote, undo what I thought was bad eating or, um, things that were going to make me gain weight. But for me, I had so much shame about it for five years. I didn't tell a single soul. Mm -hmm. And the more that I started to come out and share my story, the more people were saying, yeah, me too. (laughs) And I was like astonished because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like how many of us are struggling with this alone, trying desperately to like stop and just use willpower to not engage in these really harmful eating patterns without realizing how widespread and prevalent it is. It's like, to me, a really huge issue that we're struggling with in this country, especially, and it's not just affecting women, it's affecting men and people of all ages and sizes. So it's really, it doesn't have a bias when it comes to disordered eating, but that was me getting off track because you asked about how I got into this work. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to just add to that too, that there's so much shame. And I think in general, and you know, Brene Brown talks about this all the time. It's like the way that we can conquer shame is by addressing and talking about it and taking our power back from that. And that's even how I kind of became okay with, first of all, you know, talking to now hundreds, thousands of people about it. But I had told one of my friends who I had gone to nutrition school of all places with, and I was like, I just can't stop emotionally eating. And she was like, girl, me too. And I was like, what you, you too? Like it, because no one in my family did, you know, or no one in my family claimed to do, or they didn't to the extent that I did. Like, I was like, what's wrong with me? You know? And it was always this thing because my other close friends that I did confide in, you know, they didn't do it. And so then finally it was like, I found the one person who did. And then once I started sharing it with everyone, they were like, oh yeah, literally me too. And it, it is, it's, it's such a game changer when you just share it and speak it out to someone and reclaim your power. Yeah. It, it really is empowering to just be able to speak truth. 
and not have to hold it in. Um, and for me, that was really what did get me on this journey was my own personal struggle. Um, I developed bulimia around the age of 25 and that was at the most severest. I was really binging and purging multiple times a day. I had a hard time actually keeping down anything I ate, um, for about six months. And then ironically, I didn't even realize at the time I was so consumed by it. Like it didn't actually dawn on me. Oh, this is actually like an unhealthy thing to be doing. I was just totally swept up in it. And one day there was this moment where I like had basically devoured an entire pizza followed by a gallon of ice cream. And I felt sick to my stomach and I was desperate to get it out. And I started to choke on this pizza crust in my throat. And I literally had this like moment of, Oh my God, like this could kill me. Like someone's going to walk in and just find me dead in the bathroom, surrounded by empty boxes and puke. And like, wow, how is this my life? How is this happening to me? You know, it's like the good girl is successful achievement based, do well in school, captains of teams. And you're like, wait a minute. I was, I was a happy person. And how is this my life? And so that was like the pivotal moment where I, I basically made a commitment to God. Like, if you can help me heal myself and show me how to heal, I will commit the rest of my life to supporting other women because, or men, any, any being, because I never wanted anyone to suffer the way that I was, because, you know, if you've been in that struggle, it is like living hell. It's just all consuming and it can really just create so much suffering and pain in your life. And so if I could help anybody kind of liberate themselves from that self-imposed prison and that suffering, then I was determined to do so. And so that set me on my, my trajectory to where I am now. I went back to school for marriage and family therapy with the intention at the time of doing eating disorder treatment with families and and teens and children. Um, and ironically still had my own eating disorder at that time and kind of was hoping that through my training, I would really get the like missing pieces of my own healing journey. Um, And then after that, I spent a few years running actually a binge eating disorder treatment program where I was working hundred percent on all things binge eating, but I was finding that at times I was still struggling. And so were the clients and patients I was working with. And I felt really frustrated and I kind of felt this like imposter syndrome. Like I'm trying to look people in the eye and tell them like, Hey, I can help you but I'm going home and still struggling with this. And I've been trained in what I thought were like the most um, successful or effective treatments according to the therapy approach. And it felt like there was just a wall, like there was just limited progress being made. And what were those treatments? Was it all like talk therapy? CBT therapy. So that's cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, primarily family-based therapy. Um, so more based on cognition, thoughts, talk, and behavioral based approaches. And from my experience now, what it was really missing was the underlying root issues, which is a lot of repressed trauma, stuck emotions and energy imbalances, which we can get into, um, you know, yes, there's something about talking and developing awareness, and there's something about behavior change and developing coping skills, but those are going to be useless if you are not addressing the underlying root issue. Mm-hmm. And I sort of explain it to people. Like if you went to the doctors and they showed you an x-ray of your lungs and they said, you have a, a tumor, a lung tumor, and here's all the reasons why you have the tumor. 
And here's all the changes you need to make with your lifestyle moving forward to keep yourself healthy. That's great, but they're not going to just send you out the door with this tumor still intact. Like they're going to need to take the tumor out so that you can actually heal. And that to me is like exactly what, what I do with my clients and what was missing from these more traditional treatment programs is that we weren't actually taking out the wounds that were driving the disordered patterns in the first place. And so after about a year I left, I just, just vowed, okay, I'm going to try any and everything to figure out, like, there's gotta be something I'm missing. And that's what opened the door of energy work for me. And I discovered tapping and Reiki and emotion code. And I started doing breath work and just all different healing experiences that radically changed my own healing journey and totally opened this whole other realm of healing that as soon as I started getting trained and certified and applying these techniques with other patients, such as yourself, like they were getting better so much faster. It was like, oh yes, we've landed on something that is so valuable. I like want to, you know, stand on the rooftops or on this podcast and just tell everyone about it because, you know, you kind of are spinning your wheels going nowhere with some of these more, I would say, um, traditional approaches to healing, which have a place, but I don't necessarily think it's the whole picture. Wow. Wow. Okay. So many amazing nuggets there, but let's just go to what are these modalities? I'm sure that's what everyone who's listening is like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, you know, what are the different things that you learned and how have you seen those be the catalyst for this permanent change? Yeah. So what I would say to summarize it very concisely in the limited time we have, what the approach that I take is addressing the five bodies of health. So for me, for anybody who's struggling with this, they're going to want to make sure they're addressing the physical health, um, what's going on in their brain, the neural networks that are driving habits and those become unconscious. And so you do have to work on actually rewiring some of these habits in the brain. They're going to want to address their mental body. What are all the cognitive beliefs about self that are in place that were hardwired in your subconscious before the age of 12. And usually those are those beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm only loved because of my body or my achievements. I'm a failure, etc. We all know those worth is probably one of the biggest ones feeling unworthy. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to look at your emotional body. What are all the unprocessed emotions that I have not processed or dealt with. And most people who struggle with binge eating and or bulimia feed their feelings rather than feel them. So there's a huge disconnect between mind and emotional body and a dissociation between what they're feeling because they're actually, they've trained themselves. This was the case for me, the, the millisecond, there's any discomfort internally, my brain was immediately telling me to go eat, to try and self-soothe and cope and regulate or to numb that feeling and feel better. So for most people, they actually don't realize that there's an emotion that's been activated. That's actually causing their brain to tell them to eat. And so people need to be able to learn how to a gain the awareness, but then be the tools to effectively process the emotions and begin to feel them and process them rather than have them remain stuck or trapped in the body. And then we've got the energy body, right? So we've got energy and this is especially important for the empaths out there, because if you're someone who's sensitive to taking on other people's emotions, then you are walking around feeling like crap, not even knowing why or what to do about it. And again, your brain, which is 
doing everything it can to help you feel better. If it's learned that food makes me feel better, then you're going to continue to default to eating to try and actually process others' emotions, the energy that doesn't even belong to you. And then finally, we've got our soul body and the soul holes, because a lot of people have some deep voids of neglect or not actually feeling authentic connection or feeling seen, or they're really desiring to have a purpose in life or feel this beautiful love and intimacy that's missing. And so our souls are really craving, craving, so hungry for love and connection and purpose. And if we don't have it, we have this void, we will eat and use food as a substitute to try and fill that void, which is a bottomless pit and food will never be able to, to fill those voids. And so from that framework, then the way that I approach helping people heal is using a variety of energy modalities, mainly emotional freedom technique. Um, mm -hmm. But I also use Reiki and emotion code. And these are all designed to help us basically process a lot of that stuck emotional energy in the body that potentially has been accumulating since childhood and really affecting an individual, an individual's well-being and how they're thinking and feeling and their behaviors. Wow. Oh my goodness. This is so mind-blowing because I especially resonate with number three, which was the emotional body, right? And then number five, the soul body. And especially like now looking back at any of the times that I would overeat or go into a binging episode, there were kind of like these two different pathway, pathways that it would happen. One would be an obvious one that I'm sure everybody does it when, when, when I was stressed, whether that was when I was in school doing the masters and all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I just want to find solace and comfort. And so I would go into this. And then another one is that sometimes I realized I would do this as self-sabotage. Like I would be like, like, I remember there was this one night I was going on a trip to Thailand and this was, um, what years was this? I think it was 2016. And I was going with my best friend and her sister. And the night before, like I walked down to this like mini mart on the corner of the place in San Francisco I was living. And I got one of those ice cream drumsticks, like a big cookie sandwich, like candy. And I wasn't even hungry. It was just like one of those things where I was like, oh, I, I need to like go eat all this stuff before I go on this trip because I know I'm not going to eat this stuff on this trip, even though I don't even really want those things. You know, it was almost like this strange thing where even to this day, I'm just like, I wonder what that was. And maybe you can like help debunk what that was because I have no idea consciously being like, I don't know what that one was. I get the stress thing, but the self-sabotage, I'm like, what was I? Obviously I was self-sabotaging, but I don't even know where that came from. Maybe that was this, I am not worthy or I'm not enough. I'm about to go on this trip and I need to somehow do something to make myself feel bad. What do you think about that one? Mm, I love what you are highlighting because there are so many layers of the psyche that show up when we're really start to shine the light of awareness on our eating habits. And this is why I love this work so much because we uncover like some really juicy stuff, I like little detectives. Yeah. And, and there's, I call them the three P's. I mean, we will eat for pleasure. We'll eat to numb pain and we can also eat for punishment. Mm -hmm. So that kind of fits into this self-sabotage energy. And I would probably want to get a little bit more information from you to really understand what was driving that for you. But what dings for me is maybe one of two things. One is we can sometimes really feel uncomfortable with the idea of attention 
with the idea of things being too good. We maybe have this belief that life is supposed to be hard or suffering, or I don't deserve to like go on this trip or have a good time. And so if we have these underlying beliefs or fears, then those can drive eating as a way to not only cope with the discomfort, those beliefs create, but to self-sabotage, right. To give us a reason to feel bad. If we are about to step into something that could potentially feel really good. Mm-hmm. Another is that we can also have this rebel side, and the mm-hmm. rebel is I the totally part. Have, so. <laughs> yes, is the part that like just doesn't like the idea of being controlled or being told what they can or can't do. And so, if you have an uh, an inner rebel, then that rebel can sometimes come out and be like, you know what? I'm on vacation. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to like eat as much as I want and just free for all have fun. And (laughs) and your higher self is like, no, this is not actually what I want to be doing. This doesn't feel good. But the rebel (laughs) is like, I don't care what you want. Like I'm on vacation and I'm going to just like go crazy. Yeah. Wow. You know, that is so, so spot on because in my past, you know, I was raised Mormon. Like there's all of these things where I was taught to be the quote unquote good girl. And, you know, I got kicked out of Mormon school. I had two DUIs during my early twenties. And it's not like I was a bad person, but there was this piece of me that was just like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And, you know, it's funny because you have this too, (laughs) because I have your birth chart right (laughs) to me and I want to share this really fast we're gonna go and see this is why you and I are like obsessed with being these detectives right (laughs) it's like different ways that we're doing it and so for everybody listening and and if you guys are members on patreon um you can see I'm pulling up Sarah's chart right now and so you can see this if you're not you can go to patreon.com slash rise with Natalie and join okay so in Sarah's chart she and I we're born the same year and we're, we're very close. We're about like, I don't know what, 21 days apart or something. And so we both have this North node in Aries and Sarah's son is also in Aries and her Mercury is in Aries and Aries is the rebel <laughs> Aries. And here's the thing is that Aries is the rebel because it's the first one out the gate. You know, it's the first sign of the Zodiac. And it says, I'm going to come here to this earth, to this planet to lead. And sometimes we have to learn how to lead through trial and error. And it cannot be boxed up exactly like he said. It's it's a fire sign. It is here to make a difference in the world. But sometimes that fire can burn itself out and it can burn other people out. It clearly can burn its body out. You know, it has a lot of this like just tear, tear it down type of energy. And you and I both did that to our bodies because it's almost like we didn't know how to contain the fire. We didn't know how to do something at the time. Maybe we were doing other things that were positive with the fire, but there was still so much fire in us that needed to be tamed in some type of way and and tamed in a good way. And so it would make sense that this is something that, you know, we both dealt with, especially because we both have, and this is really fascinating. We both have our North node. And this is actually quite rare. It's like dependent upon the day that um, this North node, which is the direction that you're going. And it's also your destiny in life to, to learn the lessons the hard way through this Aries type of energy. So we had to learn by being a little bit reckless by, you know, being someone that was like all over the place, breaking the rules. And really it was like, we were breaking our own rules. We were breaking the rules of, you know, 
oh, well, I want to look thin or I want to be thin. So I'm going to go eat this thing. Like there's this rule that society gives us of how we should look that, but I want to like go break that. And I want to go eat, but then I'm going to punish myself. And, you know, we also both have this Mars in Capricorn, which is in the sixth house. And the sixth house represents health and wellness and the body. So for anybody who has their Mars in the sixth house, you're naturally going to have this energy where you might be in a combative spot with your body because Mars represents our passion, but it also represents our wars and our battles. And so this is like, there can almost be this battle with our health if we are not careful. And then for you, you have it right next to Neptune, which is the planet of um, spirituality, but it also is the planet of confusion and of addiction. And so it's like, if it wasn't, you know, addiction, addiction to a substance, it's like an addiction to being at war with yourself and, you know, bulimia and laxatives and starving yourself. These are this place of being at war. And, you know, then you had to kind of flip the switch and go through this spiritual revelation of actually I'm going to treat my body like a temple and have this beautiful spiritual connection with my body, which is, you know, what you've done and now what you lead others to do. And then it's also really beautiful because up here with the North node of the direction that you are going, the North node is conjunct to your son, which means it's right next to your son. And so it's like these lessons that you've learned, you actually embody and other people see you as and then it's in the ninth house here and the ninth house is all about higher education it's about academia and really it's about you being a teacher and so this is where you shine is that you shine through these difficult lessons of the aries archetype that you've learned and now that you're in this brighter side of the aries of being someone who is leading of being someone who's extremely independent you know and someone who's kind of like walking the walking their walk and then others are are with them. So it's really incredible how your chart shows that. And also I forgot to mention at the beginning that Sarah also is a Leo rising like me. So we've we've had very similar paths this year as a lot of Leo risings have been going through it. And then an Aries sun in the ninth house and a Leo moon in the first house. And the interesting thing too about having the Leo moon in the first house is that you're really here whenever anybody has their moon in the first house. It's like you are here to learn about yourself and that through you learning about you is going to, first of all, just give you peace of mind. Like this life is about you, you know, and then that you bring that knowledge to other people because the sign of Leo is first, I have to shine. I have to get myself good. And then I lift others up with me. So I just feel like everything that you're doing perfectly embodies your, your chart. And it's so amazing how it's manifested. It's really cool to hear you lay it out that way and how much it resonates with a, where I'm at, but the journey that I've been on. And it also feels like such a, um, Oh, what's, I don't even know, maybe a relief or just, I have so much gratitude to be on the other side of the war because, you know, even just 10 years ago, it was like, oh my gosh, I, I knew and I felt the pull to like figure this out so I could be the teacher. But when you're starting out, it feels at times so hopeless or impossible. And to be able to now talk to you and be able to talk to your listeners and even my clients with the full knowing of what is possible and a whole new understanding of what is going on internally that's driving eating and, and food behaviors, you know, it, it feels really good. 
Absolutely. And the fact that you can say, I honestly was there, it's like, that makes you such a better teacher and confidant and everything for people to, to feel good and safe with you. So would you mind even sharing with us, like, what do you feel like now on the other side of this, looking back at your own journey, what was your why? Like, what was it that you think was, you know, at 25 that you started throwing up? Like when you look back, like, why do you think that, what was your reasoning? That it all started. Yeah. Well, it was sort of a perfect storm for me. A, I had a genetic predisposition. So a lot of people who I work with, we see a lot of these patterns passed down through generations. Wow. So some, it's like, why do some people turn to alcohol and actually develop the addiction with alcohol? Some people it's food. And so I often see that thread starts through the family. And then we've got like the nature versus nurture. It's like your environment and the choices you're making of how you choose to take care of yourself are then going to determine whether or not that actually gets activated. And so for me, I had just moved to California from the East coast, packed everything in my car, drove across country. And I had a job as a camp counselor at a weight loss and fitness camp. And I was working at this weight loss and fitness camp that actually prescribed a no fat, low fat diet which I'm not advocating for. Um, and so as a result of that, yeah, that is a hard, no, hard, no avocados. (laughs) Yeah. No salmon, no nuts and seeds. It was like in hindsight, like absolutely crazy, but that was the diet they put us on. And so I ended up losing like a ton of weight in a very short period of time unintentionally, but that is one of the biggest factors that is going to lead to binge eating is any form of diet or restriction. Mm -hmm like the number one risk factor. And then you add on top of that, the emotional factors. So, um, I left camp with everything that I had moved with packed in my car, got into my sublet. And the first night that I moved into my apartment, my car got stolen with everything I owned. I don't know if you know this story. No, I don't. Yeah. My first night in ocean beach, California car got, this is after camp summer camp. And I decided to stay. So I moved everything. My car got stolen. So here I am my like first day in San Diego with no friends, no job, no car, no belongings, and literally just the clothes on my back. And I had been like in this restriction mode. So my body was already like physically hungry. Mm-hmm. And the amount of change and stress and trauma that I experienced as a result of all of this, like <laughs> adjustment in such a short period of time, totally pushed me over. And I started binging, but I was so obsessed with restricting that I would binge and restrict and then binge and do a juice fast and binge. And then suddenly it just built and built and built. Cause I wasn't dealing with any of the emotions of what I was going through. And in hindsight, and this is kind of the the other metaphor I like to use, you know, I had a lot of unresolved trauma from the past. I had done no self-work. I had never gone to a therapist. I just thought I had a happy childhood and I lived a great life and I had no problems. And like, there should be no reason why I should feel bad and (laughs) totally unconscious to the reality of how much I had invalidated my own emotional experience similar to you. Cause I wanted to be the good girl who was always happy. And like, I take care of others, but like, Oh no, I'm not angry. I'm not upset. It's okay. I'll let everything go. And so I actually had like a ton of already emotional energy contained in my body. And all it takes is like one big event to really cause the body to just go in total dysregulation. And so that's what I experienced in that moment. 
And I also found the culture of Southern California to really affect me mentally. There was a lot more pressure to try and look a certain way and fit in. And if you're struggling with worth, then being in that sort of environment is really not going to be the best container for you to like <laughs> thrive, you know? <laughs> totally. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so then did that, like, how did that then lead you into the bulimia? It, it kind of just happened sneakily. Like I would binge so much to the point that food was like at the top of my throat. Like, I don't think I could fit one more swallow of food. And so it'd be like, I feel so sick that I would just throw up. Yeah. And then I re- would realize like, oh, last time I didn't, I ate too much. I, I threw it up and I felt better. So I just would start to do it just to undo it, not realizing all of a sudden that I couldn't stop it anymore. Mm-hmm. It like just slowly became this like compulsion where then anytime I ate, my body was like, oh, we, once when we eat, we'd actually throw this up and it would cue for me to engage in that pattern. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. all. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure so many people can relate. I definitely can relate, yeah. especially when it feels like there's like this one event, or there's this one thing where everything feels so hopeless. And so you're like, what's the one thing I can turn to that can make me feel better. That is soothing, but also kind of has this thing of I'm not good enough. So I'm going to do this or, you know, let me match my pain of the situation with doing another thing. That's actually going to bring me more pain. Right. And oftentimes the magnitude of the behavior, like the size of the binge or the eating episode is going to match the intensity or size of the internal pain Mm. that hasn't been addressed or dealt with. Yes. And And so I, I like to reframe and just encourage people, you know, your brain is doing everything it can out of a desperation to help you feel better. We just need to teach your brain new ways to do it. So we have to unlearn the old way and relearn new ways. And rather than beat yourself up or get angry at yourself, because it usually after an eating episode, we, everyone goes into that spiral of shame and anger and frustration and beating yourself up. And so that doesn't help at all, because if you don't love and accept yourself, you're going to continue to abuse yourself. And if you learn to fully love and accept yourself, well, you could never abuse yourself when you're in a place of loving yourself. And so rather than going down the shame spiral, it's just to now view those episodes as the diving board. Like, oh, when this happens, I know this is an opportunity for me to look within and understand what my body is telling me I need to resolve or look at or heal. And if you can start to understand the signals and the the language of your body, then you will not be a victim to the pattern anymore. You're going to be able to take your power back from it and actually allow it to open the door to some of the most profound healing. Wow. So what would you say are some of the maybe most common things that either you see or for anybody who's listening, who is dealing with this, because I know I was in the same boat where I was like, but I do love myself and you know, I, I am good. And I think that on that conscious level, I was like, I am my own best friend and I am brave and I can do things alone and I have fun with myself. And so it's like, we think that we're okay, but how is it that we can get to that next level of self-love? Yeah. That's such a beautiful question because I think it does depend on the conscious versus unconscious Mm -hmm. beliefs that are at play. So adult, you might really think and believe you love yourself, 
But if your three or four-year-old self really concluded, I must not be lovable or enough because I'm not getting attention from my parents or because they actually gave my sibling the toy I wanted for Christmas instead of me, right? Then we have these conflicting energies or beliefs, right? And so not a hundred percent of, of the body may, or, or your soul, if you will, may fully believe that I love myself, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So with, with tapping, a lot of the work I do is we go back and we uncover from the subconscious, like what were some of the key memories and moments that caused you to make these conclusions about yourself as a child that might still hold a charge or be alive inside. And with tapping emotional freedom technique, we're able to tap on these acupressure points while processing the memory so that we can neutralize the charge and actually change some of the beliefs that you created at that time in your life and replace them with new beliefs. So if that three-year-old really concluded, wow, I must not be unlovable. We get to go back and actually meet the needs of that three-year-old in a way that she can realize. So it's a little bit of inner child work, but so that she can actually receive and believe like, oh, this wasn't me and I am lovable and believe it and embed that into the subconscious. And so if you do that enough with enough memories, then it's like both subconscious and conscious mind are on the same wavelength when it comes to the beliefs. Wow. And I know for me, it was a memory that we had found where it was that I felt that I was unlovable because my mom would pick up my two younger sisters before me and I would have to wait. You know, it's yep. something that I usually I, small, like, totally where I was right. you know, nine years old in fifth grade. And so to me, that was like, oh, I'm not enough, you know, or right. I'm, she chose me last or whatever that might be. And it's these things that you look at it and you're like, oh, what a silly thing, but it really impacts the subconscious. Absolutely. And a lot of people will have memories. You know, there are plenty of people who have had very difficult childhoods where they did experience physical, emotional, sexual abuse. And that is obvious, but so many people who come to me are almost like oblivious to the impact their childhood had on them because the memory was I had loving parents who cared about me and supported me. And we had a positive home environment and they don't necessarily remember these moments, like what you just described, because they seemingly from an adult mind seem insignificant. Right. And, and we can rationalize, well, that happened so long ago. And I know that doesn't mean my parents don't love me. And it's like, sure. Your adult brain gets that, but your childhood brain that had not fully formed all of its cognitive reasoning And that was shaping your self-image like that brain (laughs) didn't know any better. And that's the brain that we need to go work with. And that's the fun thing about, I'm sure some of the work you do and what I do with tapping is I say, we literally can tap into your subconscious. So it's okay if you don't remember, but your body will reveal to us exactly what it is that we need to know to work with. Wow. So, okay. I know that you have a group and you also have one-on-ones, but is there anything, are there any type of like phrases or, you know, for anybody listening, who's like, I need to do this right now that they could do to tap. And, you know, what kind of statements do you think are really powerful and what's a great way to tap into that? If, you know, people can't join Mm -hmm. already. Yeah. If, If they know how to tap and they're familiar with tapping. And if you're not, you could Google for the basic, you know, tapping formula and statement, where I would start is a tapping for self-forgiveness mm. and acceptance. 
because usually we really are hating ourselves for being stuck in this cycle and this struggle. And so that might look like a statement, like, even though I'm really struggling with eating right now, or or even though I really feel addicted to food, or I can't control myself around food and I get so frustrated with myself or I hate myself for it. It's okay. I'm willing to forgive myself and I'm learning how to love and accept myself, even though I'm struggling with this. And if you can start with that, (laughs) you will already be like, you know, making such headway and just healing your relationship with yourself to open the possibility of healing the relationship with food. Wow. That is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. Okay. So we know that this is one of the crucial, crucial ways that you, you work with energy to help people. What are the other modalities that you use and how do they work? Yeah. So, um, Reiki, I think is pretty like common these days, but it's just this beautiful life force energy that I describe as being similar to water. So we take a shower and the water helps to rinse away dirt from our physical bodies. And likewise, Reiki energy can be like an energy shower for the body. That's helping to just rinse away any maybe toxic energy that's in the body but we also drink water to energize our body so we can thrive and function optimally. And the energy of Reiki is also used by the body to help just energize the body or the chakras and repair the energy of the cells so that we can function optimally. So I just love that in general. I think you can't go wrong with um, adding a little Reiki to any session. Absolutely. (laughs) Giving people distant Reiki typically like in group and individuals. Okay. Yeah. Group programs. Typically I, I, we start every session dropping into the body and doing a brief guided meditation. And then we receive Reiki and then go into some tapping and energy clearing, depending on what's emerging in the group field. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty fun and powerful. So powerful. Yeah. And the other modality is the emotion code and the emotion code is a process designed to uncover trapped, inherited, or absorbed emotional energies, which I think for people who are struggling really with anything, but particularly for eating disorders, if there's a history, if you know that there's a family thread where parents or grandparents struggled with body image or their relationship with food, or they were struggling with self-worth or self-esteem, and we see these patterns then it's a very strong likelihood that you've actually inherited, um, some of that energy. And so if you're carrying anything that doesn't belong to you, we're able to actually just ask the body with muscle testing or energy testing and uncover what it is, what emotional energies that are, um, trapped in the body that are influencing whatever they're struggling with. And then we are able to release it. And depending on if it's in person or virtual, you can release with magnets, which sort of deactivate the energy wavelength the same way it would deactivate a credit card, but you can also use um, hands to clear as well. Wow. It is so incredible. I remember when I first kind of came face to face with my eating disorder and recognizing that it was an eating disorder. And I, and this was, I, I remember I was in Hawaii in April of 2019 and I I was with my dad and my dad had just left and I was there by myself for a few days and I went down to this market and I got like all of these chocolate covered macadamia nuts and like some ice cream and just was like, I'm just going to eat this for my dinner tonight. Like there was no thinking in my mind of like, I should eat something healthy. It was like, okay, I'm alone now. I should eat this by myself and I can kind of like be in my own little cave. 
even though I'm in Hawaii, like I wasn't taking advantage of it, you know? And I remember then the next day being like, I will do anything to stop this. And I remember looking for resources and listening to podcasts, but it was so much talk therapy type of stuff. And somebody recommended a book that I then read and it was all about your animal brain, which I was like, I resonate with that, but what do I do? You know? And it just didn't give me any type of concrete things to do that were on this level. So like, this is just so incredible and so powerful. What would you recommend for anybody who's listening to this to, to kind of do as these next steps to really go into healing and maybe even just some words that are really positive for them to heal, knowing like this can be cured. Well, if they are listening to this and they're struggling, they have two examples of what's possible for them, you and me. And so I know that we can both say wholeheartedly that no matter how bad it may seem, it is entirely possible that you do not have to spend the rest of your life struggling with this and that you can get to a point one day where like, it doesn't even cross your mind, right. Where it's just not even, it is like such a distant memory of the past and you will be able to look back with so much pride at how far you came to get yourself to that point. With that said, it is not an easy journey. <laughs> I'm sure you can attest to that too. Like the healing journey, when you say yes, is going to like crack you open sometimes and yeah. you do have to work for it a little bit and everyone's journey is unique, but I think a great place to start. Um, I mean, if they're interested and I'll, I'll give you this information, but I do have a free quiz on my website, um, the empowered eating blueprint quiz. And so they can take that to just see which of the five bodies of health that I mentioned earlier, um, may actually be affecting their current relationship with food and eating. And then that gives, will empower them to realize like, oh, now I can see for me specifically, like you said for you, it was the energy and soul bodies. They'll be able to recognize, oh my gosh, it's the mental body. And the, the energy bodies are actually like two things I've never looked at that. I checked like four yeses, you know? And so I want to be able to, to point anyone listening, who's curious to that quiz. So they can at least get that information because knowledge is power when it comes to then figuring out the next steps to take. And so once they can identify what they're struggling with the most, they can decide, yeah, what, what path feels right for their soul. Absolutely. And I think it's just so beautiful because I never thought about this being inherent, you know, and it definitely, I know I inherited it as well, you know, 100% and probably so many of us. And then plus all of the messages that we get from society, plus everything that if you have an unhealed inner child, like go work with him or her, because that's, that's really what this, I think boils down to. And I just love that you harness these other modalities to bring this in with your therapeutic background. And Sarah and I are going to do something special too, because she, she and I are going to do an example of emotion code, body code um, that she was just talking about. And we're going to do this as you guys have known, I, I haven't really spoke to this so much on the podcast, but if you follow me on social media, you'll know that I've been dealing with adrenal fatigue for the last few months. And this is just something cool to show you that, um, you know, these modalities can be used for any type of healing. And I think this is going to be really fun. And we'll do a little report back to, to see kind of how I feel up after we'll definitely do a follow-up episode. Um, but I asked Sarah if she would be okay to do this because I'm at this place with my adrenal fatigue where I feel like I'm pretty much 93% healed. I don't know why, but the three is just what came out <laughs> 93% better, but there's something there that is still like 
now you have a gluten intolerance and mm. you're still kind of tired. Like you still basically need 10 hours of sleep that I'm just like, okay, I'm allowing my body to heal, but is there a way that maybe we can uncover that, you know, what's the why in all of that? Why did I get this? Obviously there's like, well, I burned myself out and there's the physical reasons we know. And we know on an emotional and spiritual level, I was going through a friend breakup. I was going through a romantic breakup and then I overloaded myself with work. So there's all of these obvious pieces, but it'll be really fun to literally tap in and just see what else was there using this. So can you even explain to us how this all, how this process works? Sure. So the emotion code process that I'm going to use, and I feel called to just do this little disclaimer before I even get into it, that it is not a replacement for medical treatment, right? This just gets to be complimentary for any work that somebody's doing with a doctor. So now that I plugged that in, like this is one piece yeah. of the pie. I've been working with naturopaths also. For the yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are not saying that this will cure you of all physical illnesses. Like you do have to work with a doctor, but Absolutely. if you're missing this piece, you may be missing a component of healing that could accelerate the healing process for you. And so with the emotion code that I'm going to do today, essentially I'll connect to your energy body. Like you do with psych K. Um, and then I will be muscle testing on myself. I actually prefer to use the pendulum, um, because I just work a little quicker with the pendulum and I ask your body. Yes. No questions. And I have a chart that lists all sorts of emotions that could potentially be trapped in your body. And so I'll be asking your body, are there any trapped emotions that actually are contributing to your adrenal fatigue symptoms? And then, (laughs) and then I'll see if I get a yes or no. And if I get a yes, I'll ask according to the chart. Okay. Is the emotion in this column or this column? And so I narrow down until I figure out what emotion it is. And once I identify the emotional energy, then we'll just clear and neutralize it. Um, and then I'll, I'll ask, so we have a few different categories. So I'm just going to focus on three categories today to keep it simple, um, trapped emotions. So these are going to be more like, uh, you could think of it as like a baseball of energy that gets lodged in the body, typically in an organ or an area of weakness. And those are going to be just the emotions that you weren't able to fully process from the body. So they got stuck or trapped in the body and that resonance and frequency is affecting how the body's functioning. Then we have the absorbed emotional category. So, you know, maybe you went through this breakup and I don't know, he was really angry and you actually took on some of that anger. Right. And so if you've got any of that stuck absorbed energy in your body, we'd be able to identify and clear that. And the third category is the inherited energies. And so for all, you know, you've actually had maybe some inherited fear or some inherited worthlessness that actually has been like sucking your system for a really long time. And again, it like was the perfect storm where that, that resonance actually contributed to, to the eventual adrenal fatigue. So we don't know what we're going to get, but we're going to see. And what's really fun about this is we're able to bypass the mind, the thinking mind and the ego mind that wants to think and know the answers and just communicate with your body and let your body tell us what we need to know. So there's no way that like you can get in the way of, of you right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank goodness. Did I explain? Is that clear? Perfect. Yes. Okay, great. I've actually never even heard that clear of an explanation. So I'm just like, thank you actually. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) So I'm just going to connect to your, your body and then we'll begin. Okay. Uh, Okay. So I'm just going to ask your body, do you have any trapped emotions that are contributing to your adrenal fatigue symptoms? And that's a very obvious. Yes. 
And so I just asked how many, and I've got four trapped emotions that we're going to uncover. Okay. And the first energy is called lack of control. So this would be an experience of uh, maybe so much is going on in my life. I feel out of control. It could be an example of, I can't control eating. And so we can also ask the age of occurrence if, and ask your body, if we need to know when you experience lack of control, these energies, these could have been trapped when you were one years old, they could have been trapped last week. Right. So, um, it's not necessarily a recent energy. And so let me see. So this says around the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when I say an emotion and I give an age, you might have an image or a memory pop in. And usually that is your subconscious communicating with you. But if you have no idea, that's also okay too. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that just popped into my mind was that that was when I got kicked out of the Mormon school for being a bad Mormon, quote unquote. Um, yeah. Where I felt like it, everything just felt out of my control now. Yes. And this is telling me, yes, that that is correct. So we're just going to, I'm going to use a magnet now on my spine down the governing meridian to just clear and neutralize that energy. Let me have you take a cleansing breath. Hmm. Yeah. Good. I like to move as quickly as possible. So I'm going to keep going. <laughs> oh, let me see the next trapped emotion is that in column. Yes. Okay. 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 So this energy is called forlorn. It's a very funny word, but it's essentially like a misery. And this says that this for you is around the age of seven. Mm. I don't know what that is, but that was when my youngest sister was born. <laughs> I hate having a little sister steal all the thunder. <laughs> Maybe it's just like really unhappy. Like this is miserable. I don't want to do this. Like, I don't like what's happening in my life. Like that kind of, of energy. I think I was in third grade and yeah, I know I, I hated my teacher. Mm -hmm. She was like, we called her miss witch. So maybe that <laughs> she wasn't there. This for me, just on those two, the teacher got a yes, not the sister situation. So probably a school misery. Totally. She, yeah. you know, she would sit in the back and smoke. It was so illegal. This was like, I feel oh like my gosh, nineties. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see. There's two more trapped ones. Let's just listen in on row for two, four, six, six, seven, eight, seven. <sighs> okay. Okay. This is saying a humiliation energy around the age of 26. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. This is when <laughs> I had, um, this is when I first got SIBO and I literally had something called an anal fissure, which I believe I've talked about on here. And it is like a tear in your rectum. And my friends and I would call it my pain in the ass because it was, <laughs> like, we just turned it into a joke, you know, because I was like, yeah. you have to talk about it. But 
truly deep down, it was so embarrassing because I was yeah. like, how did this come about? You know, like, yes. what is this? And yes. that that's actually what's <laughs> my whole health and spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's clear some humiliation. <laughs> okay. Cleansing breath. Let that go. <sighs> All right. And the last trapped emotion is that in column A, Adra. How old are you again? 36. Okay. <laughs> I always get paranoid. That's going to give me an age and someone's going to be like, um, I'm not that old yet. Old. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Shoot. No, it's never happened, but I always just check <laughs> when you were 50. <laughs> so this is around the age of 30 and it's showing an energy of helplessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what pops into my head is the the boyfriend that I had at that time. I loved him so much, but there was like, I knew that we couldn't be together and I felt sad and, and helpless about that. Yeah. Yeah. It said yes. Okay, good. So let's let go of helplessness. Okay. Yeah. Good. And so I just want to speak to how like it can sometimes for our logical mind not make sense how these energies and emotions from different times in our life could contribute to adrenal fatigue symptoms, but it's really about how these frequencies frequencies are taxing the body or the organs and preventing things from functioning optimally or from energy flowing optimally. And so that's why we're just removing any blocks that currently are getting in the way of your body feeling it's best when it comes to the adrenal functioning. Wow. Does that so, make sense? So powerful. Yes. And I, and I love that you explained that too, because it's not like I need to sit here and ruminate now on, oh my gosh, you know, this ex-boyfriend or, you know, my pain in the ass, like it's, it's past. And I love that, that it's just, it's the frequency that we're just letting go of fully. Correctly. Yeah. And it's so non-invasive. I mean, and there's a time we don't want to bypass feeling like there are some emotional energies that like need to be felt to be healed just hands down, you got to go through it. And then there are others that are less significant that are just minor that we don't even realize are, we're still holding that we can just boop, boop, you know, release and move on. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's actually one of the final questions that I wanted to ask you, because I know that you would mention that so many people, myself included, yourself included, before we really understood what these emotions were, that we would just go to eat to, to not feel our emotions or whatever, what that was. I think that sometimes what people get confused on is how do you then feel your emotions? Because if someone's like crying or if they're, you know, they're like, I I'm totally feeling my emotions, right? Like, what does that mean on the deeper level? And how do we actually do that in this 3d world that we're living in? Great question. And there is, there's sort of two extremes. Like there are some people who do not feel they numb, they suppress, they avoid, and then there are people who actually are very emotional, but they sometimes loop in the feeling and they don't process it from the body. So if you're just crying and co- like cannot control yourself crying, you're probably looping in the emotional energy, not actually processing and discharging it. So in both situations, we need to learn how to effectively feel and free emotions. And depending on the emotions, <laughs> there's going to be slightly different processes. But for me, there's like a few ways that are typically like across the board, helpful, obviously tapping anything that is 
involving tapping in the somatics of the body and the energy system is going to help to literally process and release the emotional charge and energy from the body. Anything that involves movement because energy needs to be moved. It needs to be processed and pushed out. So if that's running, if that's shaking, if that's embodiment or ecstatic dance, but something where you are like very intentionally connecting to the emotional energy and moving it through movement, sound and breath are two other ways that can be really valuable. So if you're angry and you need to scream or do a breath of fire to be able to transmute the energy, um, sometimes humming can help to just soothe the nervous system if you're feeling anxious. So there's all sorts of skills and tools that are available to help people learn how to process their emotions. Typically talking about it isn't going to be the best approach and journaling can be valuable for self-awareness, but it's also not going to process the emotional energy. And so we not only want to move the energy that's stuck in the body through tapping, through breath, through movement, through sound, but you're also going to want to help to learn how to regulate the nervous system. Yeah. How to bring the nervous system back into a state of regulation or um, back into that sort of baseline of calm. And so that's why I prefer tapping because the tapping on these acupressure points actually is sending a signal to the brain that it can relax. Breathing is helpful with that as well, because it's activating the vagus nerve. And so if you can find techniques that are going to basically, um, take care of both of those, regulate the nervous system and move the emotional energy, then you're going to be set. You're going to have great skills and be able to handle whatever emotion arises. Wow. Incredible. I know that any time in my life that I was consistently and regularly dancing, I was never binge eating. So I fully, fully attest to all of those things. Oh my goodness, Sarah, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I love talking to you. I could talk about this for like hours and hours. So (laughs) Um, tell everybody how they can one, join into your group programs to get, you know, your wisdom and guidance. And maybe if you want to even just touch a little bit more on what the group program is. Yeah. The group program is called energize your life. We do the inner work together to basically energize your mind, body, and soul, take your power back from food and learn how to become what I call an empowered eater, somebody who's making choices from a place of self-love and acceptance. And so the program is six months. Um, I have a ton of video modules and trainings and meditations and tapping scripts and activities that individuals can learn and do for themselves to support themselves in unlearning one unhealthy pattern and learning a new way to take care of yourself. And then we have live calls, which is where we do the healing work together with our group field. And so I guide everyone through a lot of more advanced tapping practices to access uh, the emotional wounds from childhood to do some attachment repair work process, um, any maybe traumas that might be present as well. And so that's where a lot of the magic happens. And it's also a space where women can connect with other women who are going through a similar journey. And that can really help with that shame piece that we spoke to, to dissolve the shame and help people feel like, oh, I'm actually like, okay, the way I am. And other people aren't judging me. They actually like me and are here for me. And that connection can be some really powerful medicine. So anyone who that resonates for, um, and if you've kind of tried everything, but an alternative approach, then this may, your body will let you know, you know, you'll get that ping, um, but they can just go to my website, sarahspiris.com and have the opportunity to join there. Um, and they can connect with me on Instagram as well, which is at Sarah Emily Spears. And I would love to, to connect with anyone. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. I'm so grateful for the work that you do, for the work that we have been able to do together and just for your beautiful, sweet spirit that is so clearly here to lead. And I just want to acknowledge and commend you for everything that you have gone through and for listening to your own pings of you recognizing the bridge that has been so necessary for this to actually heal yourself and for you taking this to now thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of people all over. So thank you so much, Sarah. And oh, I have you're welcome. One more question. Yeah. It's called the Cosmic Earth Podcast. What does it mean to you to be living and breathing and dancing through a cosmic earth? Oh, I love that. Uh, to me, it kind of goes back to that rule breaker. It's like getting rid of all of the brainwashing and hypnotism that's told us how we should be especially connected to that. We need to look a certain way and our body needs to be a certain way for us to give ourselves permission to like ourselves and, and then be happy and then live the life we want. So to me, cosmic living is like giving the middle finger to all of that societal conditioning and just allowing yourself to be blissed out in the moment, doing whatever brings your soul alive and giving zero, zero cares in the world about whether or not you ate the cookie. And in fact, you're going to eat more cookies because they taste so delicious and you're going to savor everything that gives you pleasure and give yourself permission to have pleasure and just do more of the things that you really, truly enjoy because the rest of it doesn't matter. <laughs> Absolutely. Amen, sister. Savor, <laughs> savor the pleasure, savor the sweetness. You have permission to go get an ice cream comb after this podcast and just savor it. <laughs> yeah. I am about to go get a beautiful poke bowl. I've been like, mm. like, I'm like salivating over pokey right now. Cause it's really hot in LA, but, oh, thank you so much. And go check out her program, her website and follow her on Instagram. Love you so much. I love you too. And I want to just honor and mirror back to you, your own growth on this journey. It seems like we were, we kind of met right at the beginning of mm-hmm. a lot of this. So it's really beautiful to witness where you are right now too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you learned something helpful, give us a five-star rating and share this episode with a loved one. And if you want more, visit the links down below to book a custom session or get my digital guides on how to read your chart. Remember, you are never alone or hopeless. The same force that guides the stars guides you too. Thank you.